Welcome to the Butcher and Baru. I am Trevor Baru. And I am Butcher Boy Joe Shasky. Trevor, what is on the chopping block this week? Butcher, we were planning on doing a recap pod yesterday after the game, but you were a little too heated. We had to take we had to take a twenty uh, four hour break for you to compose yourself. You know, I I really wanted to do that, and then yesterday the Ruben Foster injury, the stadium, the heat, all the BS, the narratives. I, I was so fucking pissed. Honestly, I was just so like, really, football gods, you're doing this to us again. And then I realized, like, no, this this is exactly again. I've said it, and I'm going to keep saying it. This is exactly what Denise and Dr. John and Jed have signed up for, and they deserve this. Not us, the fans. We don't deserve this, but they deserve this. They deserve an empty stadium. They deserve Brian Hoyer putting up no touchdowns. They deserve Kyle Shanahan you know, and, and their new GM, John Lynch, getting half a stadium filled. They don't, Tom Rathman definitely doesn't deserve having five people see his retirement ceremony. It's just... You know, this is what you get when you have inept ownership who basically took their loyal fan base, bent them over, and screwed with them for five years. This is I feel this like you gotta is the, this is it. This is the zenith of that. I feel like you gotta take a stance and stick with it though, because just a few weeks ago you were telling me how you're on team Jed now and that he's learned his lesson and that you're you're ready to forget about the past. I still don't necessarily believe that Jed York has the power that people claim he does. I think he is. Jed is a figurehead. And the reason that he's in place or in power or whatever you want to put it, he's just a face because people were so sick of Denise and Dr. John. Let it be known. It is a fact. John Lynch said it. He could not get the job until he met with Denise, until he spoke with Dr. John. The buck stops with them. All the decisions, the purse strings, the financials, everything. Wanting to move out of San Francisco because they felt they could deal with Santa Clara and be lords of their own kingdom. That is all Denise and Dr. John. Jed does not control those things. Jed is just out front. He is not... He is, does not control the purse string. So me personally, I've separated the two. Yeah, Jed's done his own. Jed has definitely hung himself with the noose by his own accord. But Denise and Dr. John, the, yesterday was about Denise and Dr. John to me. It was about them cementing their legacy, building this pyramid where the 49er tomb is going to rest until a savior comes to bail us out of Santa Clara. I get that. But I'm just saying, I feel like, I'm flip-flopping. Now we're, what, what'd you say? I, no. A little bit. I feel like a little bit. Because for about a month, I heard I heard you talking up Jed and tweeting at him. And now you're saying that he doesn't have the power. But I just feel like we got we to gotta stick to one side or the other. I, I just, yesterday was an indictment. It was the opener, the season opener. Okay, I why attended. Is it, but let me ask you this. Why is it an indictment? It's nothing we didn't already know. No, because we it knew, is an indictment. We knew it the is an team, indictment. Trevor, we knew there wasn't. We knew there was. It was a very bare cupboard. We knew Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch were coming in, and didn't have a lot to work with, and we know that Levi Stadium sucks. But and Trevor, but Trevor, but Trevor, even when Candlestick was a dump, even when the team was terrible, we always sold out the home opener. Always, I went to every single opener from 2000 on. Okay, every single one I attended, every one of them, and I will guarantee you with my own eyes. That thing, it wasn't 80% full. It was 101% filled every single time for the home opener for the San Francisco 49ers when they played at Candlestick. You are year 
freaking four into a brand new stadium with SPL holders who are on the hook one way or the other. They already bought the tickets. They already bought the tickets. And the height of the indictment against Denise and Dr. John is people being apathetic and not even caring. That That is, to me, that blew me away. But with all the I think optimism. this is just a new reality. Like, I, I think this is what Levi's is. And you look at what they've done with the stadium, and I mean, how long it takes to get there, the fact that there's not really an enjoyable uh, tailgating experience, that it's hot as hell, uh, that the drinks and food are ridiculously overpriced, that it takes an hour to get out of the stadium. You know, all these things added up, and if they're not winning, I don't see any reason why people would be there. Now, you can say that's a fair weather fan, but it's a different type of fan that owns those PSLs. But There's a lot of corporate... But that's the number... Th- see, that's the part. You just nailed it. It's a different type of fan. See, the entire time that they were pitching Levi's while Candlestick was still being used, they said, the fan experience, the fan experience, we need this to be competitive. Well, all that shit is a fucking lie. I'm sick of hearing Larry Kruger and Bob Fitzgerald jam these fucking narratives down my throat on why they had to have Levi's to get a competitive disadvantage because they have a disadvantage competitively financially being... No, they needed that stadium to line the York's pockets. And that's where I think I'm furious. And I'll tell you why the but different that's, fans. I, mean, I feel but like that's why, obvious. But the, No, it's not obvious to, to most fans because I, I can't tell you how many morons I'm arguing with. Here's the thing that pisses me off. We, the diehard, blue-collar, freaking regular average Joe dudes, your plumbers, your construction workers, contractors, police officers, firefighters, the regular dude supported them when they were dog shit. When they had freaking Tim Rattay and they had Dennis the Drunk Erickson and Terry Donahue trotting out two and 14 seasons. We packed that place. We packed that place. And we supported them through dog shit, okay? And now they had one good season with Harbaugh. And this guy, Denise and Dr. John, had the freaking audacity to turn to the most loyal people, the people who supported them through thick and thin, sitting in a dog shit stadium, watching dog shit product, and they basically turned to them and said, guess what? Now you have to pay filet mignon prices, and I know you've been loyal. I know you've basically lined my pockets for the last 10 years when I all I've done is ruined a perfectly good franchise. At Ferrari, I ran it right into the wall. Now, anyone can get in at the exact same dollar amount because they have money and you don't. And it's all about the short-term dollars they sold this soul of this franchise they sold this soul of this franchise to make front-end money and it's fucking disgusting it is it's disgusting trevor the thing is where i where i disagree with you there is i don't think that's that different than many other owners are doing with their new stadiums if you look at these new stadiums popping up in every sport around the league psls are common price gouging is common these state-of-the-art stadiums you know it's not going to be any different with the rams and chargers new stadium i don't see it being any different with the falcons new stadium so i think the main problem with this is is not that it's pricing out the the blue collar worker because unfortunately that's Yes, that's a problem, but that's more of just a reality of what all owners are doing right now. So I, I don't necessarily Trevor, just blame Trevor, New York for that. But Trevor, no, no, no. They specifically wanted to be in the Silicon Valley. Jed wanted to be a startup. He did. Let us, do not mistake yourself. He chose Denise, Dr. John, Jed, the group of them, Gideon Yu, Parag. They chose the up-and-coming Silicon Valley money over San Francisco old-school money. That's what they chose. 
They chose the path of least resistance. They chose a small town where they thought that they could dictate, dictate legislation. They thought that they could dictate you know, public opinion. They thought everything yeah, was going to be but, greener. But, they thought everything was going to be greener down south. And let me tell you. The grass ain't greener at Levi's. It was but, fucking green as shit. It was shamrock green in candlestick. There was nothing I'm, all wrong I'm with saying, candlestick. All I'm saying is there's a difference between the argument of pricing out the fan versus the location they chose. Because what I'm saying is regardless of where the location is, the fam, the average fan was going to be priced out. That's I, all that I'm saying. That is fair. That's fair. But it's the totality of all of these moves. All of these moves. When you couple moving out of the city, Telling us that you need this, this stadium that's going to help you have a competitive advantage. And you haven't signed any free agents. Telling us that it was to, to make the staffs so we could pay for all the coaching staffs. And then you nickel yeah, but and dime I mean, Harbaugh. It, it's clear. I mean, you, you know, it's, that's all bullshit. We know that. We know it's, that's, that's but just that's bullshit. that's why people are furious. All of this stuff combined is this is but the I don't, melting I don't pot think it's for because, fucking I don't think it's just because of the Yorks. I don't think it's just because of the Yorks. I think it's because what well, we, we've talked about this yesterday. It's the experience. So if the Niners sucked, but the tailgating was fun and it, the stadium had a really good vibe and that, you know, the surrounding area had bars and it didn't take so long to get down to, if all those things were figured out, despite the Yorks being people who suck these suck this money out of the fans and have put a terrible product on the field, I still think you would see many more people there. But you combine all these factors that don't accommodate a football fan, the insane heat, the amount of time it takes to get down there, not having a tailgating experience. You start combining all these different factors with also keep in mind the fact that you got two days out of your weekend. Now you're going to spend one of those days in a car for five hours. Yeah, there's no doubt. And then there's you're no going to sit in the heat for three more hours and watch a terrible product. And you're not even going to get one of the great things about Candlestick was the tailgating experience. So even in the mid 2000s, you know, when with the Niners were absolute garbage, you still had these incredible, you know, a, like very diverse tailgating experiences you could get to, whether it was in the Hunter's Point area or was in it was in the parking lot or wherever you chose. There was, you know, there was a vibe and a culture to it. So all I'm, all I'm saying to you is, regardless of the fact that the Yorks fucked over the fans, I don't think that's the reason you're not seeing fans in the stands. I think I, I it's think it's this- part of the I think it's part of the mix. I think everything is in there, dude. And and look, let me let me just tell you. The Yorks screwed up so bad on this. Lakeup and Goober took notice on the loyalty part. And when they're building Chase State, Chase Arena, excuse me, they are going to have a loyalty program. I don't know what the exact percentages are going to be. You know, if you're a 35-year season ticket holder, you get 3.5% off or whatever it is. But they already have said they're going to work out some sort of a loyalty program for their long-term long, long-term, die-hard supporters. And that's what any good business would do. Any good business. I mean, it, it, look, when you buy a home, okay, when you buy a home, you pay the property tax of what you bought that home at, all right? You don't, you're not getting, at least in the state of California, because of Prop 13. In, in Illinois, they can walk up and say, mm, actually, now it's valued at three or four times what it is. Now you owe three times what the property tax is. That's essentially what the 49ers did to their fan base. Hmm, your ticket was $1,000 a year. Now, let me just throw this at the dartboard. Hey, you owe me 35000 for the right to own a ticket. I mean, that's fucking that's, over but, your fan base. No, but this that's where I disagree with you because that's common across sports right now. But even the Warriors, who are doing it in a similar fashion, are realizing they need to have some sort of a loyalty kickback, something, anything, that understands that, hey, 
You sat through us through the garbage and the muck, and we appreciate that. That's all the fans wanted was an acknowledgement. People understand that they were going to pay top dollar. We totally get that. But it's not fair to have one person who's but been I a just, season ticket holder for 30 years and have someone come do. right off the streets at the exact same amount of money. Yeah, but the Niners are doing – they do lots of stuff for their PSL people. Like they they have lots of offers involved. It's What I'm telling you is the product. The problem is not that they're doing things for the PSL owners. It's that the experience they can't physically change unless they're willing to pour millions of dollars into getting – to putting some type of awning over the, over the stadium and improving other things that <laughs> are literally because – it's th- this, this is what I'm saying. It's not, I don't think this is about a fan loyalty program. I think it's about ineptitude when they built this thing and where they built it. And now you can't change those things. And to me, the only thing that is get this is to me, it's not about diehard fans. People could say, well, in Green Bay, they've, they, you know, they are, they're always selling out. I mean, there is, there are so many factors that contribute to why people wouldn't want to be at that stadium right now. And to me, the only thing that is going to keep that stadium full is having a product as good as they did when Jim Harbaugh was there. That's the yeah. only thing because nothing else is enjoyable about the experience whatsoever. It doesn't matter how many perks because they do send perks to the 49ers PSL owners. They do offer perks but, all but, the time, but, but it Trevor, doesn't matter because the experience tre- sucks. There's no doubt the experience sucks. Trevor, it's not a special event anymore. It used to be that I would give away my final preseason game to somebody and whoever I gave it to every year, it was like I was handing them a piece of gold. You should have seen the look on their face. Oh my God, I get to go to the fourth preseason game. People were blown away because it was like a rite of passage. And then they would come, whether it was from San Bruno, whether it was from Sacramento, wherever, I'm going into the city, I'm gonna go to Candlestick. I cannot tell you how many people have offered me tickets and I've said, I don't wanna go. I don't want to go. And that is not just because of the heat. And that isn't because of the travel down there. It's the totality of me not wanting to put a dollar into the York pocket. Period. What and I, I know what I'm, I'm not saying, alone. What I'm calling bullshit on is I think if they suddenly were 12 and 4, you'd be down there if you got offered a ticket. I don't think I would. I don't think I, I would. I'm calling full bullshit on that. Look, the Warriors are having a resurgence like no other. Would you agree? I haven't been to a playoff game since the San Antonio. I haven't been to a Warrior game. I'm a diehard Warrior fan. But I haven't been to a Warrior game in forever. And I love the Warriors. You know how much I love the Warriors. I, but that's just not in the cards. I, I I would rather stay home and watch the Warriors at the house. I, I will pick and choose when but I want to go. All I'm saying now is these arguments aren't making sense. Like now, now it's an argument about whether people like attending sporting games at all anymore. No, 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 no. The because the Warriors are the a complete antithesis of the 49ers. They've done everything right. They have a winning product. They're, you, you can get public transportation for the city at CW. You're saying you still won't go see them. So I'm saying now the argument to me is completely changing form to just the fact that people don't enjoy going to live events anymore. But I love going to Candle, I mean to AT&T Park. I've been to AT&T Park a half dozen times this year and the team has been dreadful and I've enjoyed every minute of it. I even sat in the seats. The entire game didn't move one bit because of the experience, the ambiance. What's, and, what's again, wrong with the Warriors experience then? Why wouldn't you want to go to a Warriors game? I love going to the Warriors games. It's it's a hassle to get there on a seven o'clock on a work night. You know that's a tough one. You know it, it really is. And then and then getting home, I'm making excuses for myself. To be honest, with you. I I truly am. I don't want to spend that that much money to go to a game to go to a night game against Memphis, for example. I know I can't go to a a Warriors Cavs game or anything like that. I don't have that expendable money. You know, but, yeah, but I can we, go to a giant. When you started game this conversation, you were talking about being handed a 49ers ticket like for free, and you still wouldn't go. If I was handed so a Warrior ticket, of course I would go for free. Of course. If I okay. was handed a 49er ticket, 
I'm not going. I've been handed giant tickets. And you know what we did? My wife and I got off of work early and we went to the Giants game because okay. it's fun. All I'm saying, though, is I believe that if the Niners had a winning record and you were offered a free ticket, you would be there. I see. I don't. I will. Here's a great example. The Stanford Cardinal were playing a Pac-12 game there. And I love Stanford. And I didn't want to go. If it was at Stanford, I would have went. But I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go to a Pac-12 championship game with my favorite college team, with McCaffrey, one of my favorite players of all time, playing right there. And I didn't even want to go. And I got free tickets. Again, my wife works at Levi's Corp. We can get tickets whenever we want. She asked me, hey, do you want to go to the game this weekend, for example? And I, I didn't even ask is, my wife. I said, no, I don't want to go. But this is my argument. It's that the Giants have created an experience where it's fun to go whether they're winning or not because of everything that the ballpark has, from the ballpark itself to the bar surrounding it to the vibe to seeing the, you know, the bay in the background, everything you can name. They've, they've created the correct experience. So they have room for air if the team isn't great. Now, Will, is that going to last them a decade if the team sucks? Probably not, but they've given themselves a buffer. My argument is that because the Niners have created such a poor exp in experience for fans, the only thing that can assure fans being in the stadium is winning and See, I know I you're saying I know you're saying that you wouldn't go if you were if, if the team was winning and offered a free ticket but I really disagree with that because I have tickets and if they're good again and I offer you a ticket I think you're gonna accept but it. I think you're in the minority see I talk to my buddies all the time I can't my buddy Mike Kruchet you could give him front row seats to any Niner game he refuses to put money in Jed Denise and Dr. Jones Dr. York's pockets there are people, people hate the ownership. I saw this happen with Chris Cohan, where I didn't want to buy any merchandise for the Warriors. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you that fans hate ownership and there are, that there are fans that are willing to, to forego any experience there because they don't want to put money in their pockets. All I'm saying is that I think people have short memories and winning changes things. The but York were terrible owners. But look how much optimism they had over the last six months. I mean, seriously, they thought that they won uh, that the head coaching search, the GM search. They thought that they won the NFL draft. They thought that they won free agency. You know, everyone was so excited. They looked great against Minnesota. You had six months of the most positive 49er outlook in five years. And the opening game, I'm telling you, I have net it's it's been since the 70s since before Bill Walsh when the team was that bad and the crowds didn't show up that's how long it's been i mean to me that is an indictment on ownership if there's ever a game you're going to look the other way and be blindly optimistic it's the first game of the year it's the first game of the year <sighs> yeah i mean it it's it's definitely a statement but i think you know, in the bigger picture, as we you know talk about why the last six months have been so optimistic, it's just a it's time to remind yourselves that it's great if the GM and the coach get along, and it's great if they say all the right things. And you know, I still have confidence in Kyle Shanahan. It's one game. I we do all, too. you know, this is this I is a business too. of overreacting about everything. So we we got to give him some time. I mean, you look at how bare the cupboard was with what he has to work with. You know, it's going to take time. But I think this is an important reminder that you can why it's while it's great to have a coach and GM on the same page and to feel good about the direction they're going in, it is a hard league to win in consistently. And that's why we made such a stink about this Harbaugh thing for so long is because, and I think, you know, as Jed looks back, it probably has to come to the harsh realization is it doesn't matter about anything else other than winning in this league. And when you have someone that takes you to three straight NFC championship games 
and wins from the second he gets there, regardless of what talent he might have had beforehand. You cannot take that for granted, and you're seeing it right now. I hope I hope Kyle Shannon can t- turn this around. Of course, I still have confidence in him, but this is a hard league to win in, and this is why it's not just about having people on the same page and hunky dory, all that this feel good type of stuff. It's about winning. But 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 Trevor, there's more to this, man. There is so much more to this. Football and loyalty and fandom and all that stuff, it's generational. It really is. You know, why are you a Cowboy fan? Well, my daddy was a Cowboy fan. You know, why are you a Niner fan? Because me and my grandpa used to go to the games together and all that stuff. There is a generation of millennials, younger people than I, who are not loyal. And now, with television being the way it is, they can watch whoever they want. They can be in San Francisco and still be a fan of the Minnesota Vikings or the New England Patriots or whomever, okay? So you're fighting for people's attention, and you're going to have an entire generation of apathetic young 49er fans or people that don't even care. And to me, that's the bigger thing is that apathy has completely set in and people don't care like they used to. See, that's where I don't think that you could just I think flip you're right. the switch I think, I think and bring that's it right. back. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm really concerned here, man. And it's not just the hardball thing. It's, it's so many things. The soul of the franchise is forever changed. And, and, and you just I think can't. you're right. I think that's correct. You just can't flick, flip a switch and make it happen. And, and really quick, specifically on Levi's, I, I, I do want to – we're going to talk about Shanahan and the game. I'm gonna, we're going to get into all that, the players and Reuben Foster getting hurt. We're, we're going to talk about – but Levi's, you know, this place that they chose to build in Santa Clara, okay, they wanted to be in Santa Clara. Denise and Dr. John and all of them, they wanted to be in Santa Clara. Their reasonings are many, okay? It was easy to get approval. They got $200 million, you know? But I keep hearing people say, San Francisco dropped the ball. San Francisco did not drop the ball, okay? In 1998, we approved a $100 million bond. We gave them three or four different sites. The Yorks didn't have their own money and they weren't ready to pull the trigger. Eddie D set everything up. Willie Brown set everything up. It was sitting on a platter. We were supposed to renovate Candlestick and Hunter's Point. You can Google it. You can look it up. Prop F, Prop D. Just look at it. 1997, Prop F, Prop D. The San Francisco Chronicle had long, long, long stories on this. Materian Ross, many people. And the Yorks didn't have money. They didn't have their own money. And they couldn't build the stadium. And then they got into a pissing war and they scapegoated Gavin Newsom. Was Gavin the greatest negotiator? No, he was not. But they never wanted to be here in San Francisco. They chose to be in Santa Clara. And whether people want to admit this or not, the Bay Area is extremely territorial. Hey, where are you from? I'm from San Francisco. Where Where in San Francisco do you live? Uh, just actually outside of Daly City. You're not from San Francisco. Hey, where do you live? Oh, I live in San Leandro. Oh, really? I'm in San Lorenzo. Oh, I'm in Walnut Creek. Everybody knows where everybody's from, and it's very territorial. The one place, the one nook and cranny in all the Bay Area no one gives a flying fuck about is Santa Clara. You picked the worst possible spot. You could have got away. They could have got away with San Mateo below 92. They could have got away with Milbrae, with Burlingame, with South San Francisco, with Brisbane. They could have got away with any of those things. They chose the armpit of the Bay Area to build this thing. And it's it's severed the ties to the entire North Bay. This is the part no one ever talks about. If you're from Petaluma, Novato, San Rafael, Santa Rosa, they loved going to San Francisco, going to Niner games. Sacramento, I got family up in Sacramento. Zach Larson, one of my boys, my cousins, the Galleys. So many people in Sacramento. They know 
They're not coming to San Francisco to watch a 49er game. Tackle on another hour and a half to two hours to, for their drive. That's just too far for them, and it's not special enough. It's just, they, they fucked up royally building this stadium in Santa Clara and then designing it the way they did. It's a total swing and miss. I can't think of anything in the modern age that is such an architectural disaster as it is Levi Stadium. Can you? No, I mean, they, the, the thing that's interesting that I was reading about the other day was saying they basically took the renderings Ugh. that were supposed to be in San Francisco and just moved it to Santa Clara. And that's why one of the issues you have right now with, with the heat, because they didn't modify it based on where the new location was. Doesn't that, isn't that just like a perfect metaphor for Jed and Denise and how tone deaf they are? Like, oh, it worked here, it'll work there. I work with restaurants. What works for one Italian restaurant does not work for the Italian restaurant right next door. I mean, duh, that's business 101. You have to adapt your business plan to the locale that you're freaking moving to. I just, I cannot believe how stupid they are. And, and, and this is the other part, Trevor. This is the part that absolutely kills me. It, was it hot yesterday? Of course it was hot. Of course, there's no debating that it's uncomfortable and hot and all those things. And I don't blame people for not wanting to go when it's hot. How did you not know? You've been practicing for 30 years in Santa Clara and you didn't know it was going to get hot on that side of the field? How stupid are you? And then all the bitching about the actual physical seats at Candlestick and how crappy they were. I truly believe if you look at those cushiony seats that they have at Levi's, that is adding to why it's even hotter on hot days because those plastic seats, although they did get hot, they once you sat down in them, they didn't get that hot after a while. It cooled down. Those cushiony seats, everybody I've talked to says they're roasting, like physically roasting their butts. It's unbelievable, man. I, I just... <sighs> Could you imagine... I mean, the, the, can you imagine the, the Yankees? Can you imagine the Yankees moving out of the Bronx? Can you imagine the Packers moving out of Lambeau? The Cubs out of Wrigley? That's what the 49ers did moving out of Candlestick in San Francisco. You, you just changed the entire franchise. And there's no going back. Well, there is one way. I want to hear that. We talked about this last night. Bring this up right now. I think I think the one hope has to be, you know, an, an owner like a a prospective owner like a Larry Ellison comes in who has just an ungodly amount of money, doesn't care what doesn't care how much he has to spend, and there's some type of deal that gets struck where the, you know, it pays the Yorks an obscene amount of money to go away and says, I want to build a new stadium in San Francisco. Basically, I want to become a god. In San Francisco, and and I'm going to build in the city, and, and you have a Turner Field type of thing where you know the stadium lasts 10, 15 years, and that's it. I think that that is a much more plausible reality than people want to give it credit for, and I'll tell you why, Trevor, because I've really thought about this. The PSL holders, they can just stop paying, and then they're going to have to take the the Niners would have to take people to court. I mean, that's just a terrible look. I mean, that's 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 such a bad look, you know, for defaulting on their PSLs. But if people start to do it, and people already have, if people start to do it in droves, and it's as empty as it was on the freaking home opener, imagine what it's going to be like week fourteen when you're three and eleven. You know what I mean? Like imagine or two and twelve. Who know? Who knows if they'll even get a W by then? But my point being is that you know everybody talks about Kawakami. Oh, they're just printing money. Are they? Are they though? Like, are they really, really, really going to continue to just print money for the foreseeable future? I just don't see how they can. I don't see how you make money in those concession stands being half full. I don't understand how you make money if no one's driving down there to sit in those parking lots. Like, I just, I don't understand how this business model is sustainable 
for five more years is what I'm getting at. Like they have to have something drastic turn around instantly or they're going to be fucked. The Yorks are going to be fucked. They're them and the stadium authority. They might have to file bankruptcy. And this, I'm, I, people think that they're rolling their eyes probably right now saying this. All I'm saying is Larry Ellison had the total type of FU money. No one in the Bay Area gave two craps about America's Cup. And you know what he said? Screw you. I'm a billionaire. I'm bringing America's Cup to San Francisco. And I'm building on the Embarcadero. And all the boards of supervisors were like, no, you can't do that. And you know what? He had so much FU money, he made it happen. And no one gave a damn about the America's Cup. And it came and it went because that billionaire decided he wanted to do it. You're seeing it with Lake Up and Goober. They bought a piece of land, ready to go, ready to be developed. They're building their own stadium. If some investment group or guy or gal or whoever comes through and has the type of FU money, they can spend $4 billion on the franchise and then write a check for another three quarters of a billion to just tear down, to tear down Levi's, that person would definitely be a freaking god. I mean, right out the gate, they would be, what, the owner of the people? Like, could you imagine the type of, of adoration the fan base would have for that individual? The thing, the thing about it is, is oh. so you get my hopes up when you start talking about something like that. But th this is the thing: your whole theory about you know people defaulting on the PSLs and people stop attending, it still goes back to what I say. I I truly believe that despite what everyone says, that a winning product in the field will change everything, and. I have a hard time seeing Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch put out this crappy of a product for the next four years. Well, let me ask and you I'm this. And I'm not sure you can get the Yorks to a point. The only way that I could see the Yorks coming to a point where they're willing to sell is either literally hitting rock bottom for like another two or three years to the point where they had to fire like a Kyle Shanahan. Like maybe something crazy happens where like, you know, he brings in Kirk Cousins and that doesn't work and him and John, I'm just, you know, let's just say worst case scenario, him and John Lynch have some falling out. Next thing you know, they got to fire one of them. They're on the hook for a ton of money. No one's coming. I could see if, if it was some hellish scenario like that, I could see them potentially being open to a sale. And the only other way I could see them being open to a sale is if someone came in with some offer that was literally double what the franchise is worth. And it was just like, it was one of those offers like, get the fuck out of here. Here's take this check now, leave. But you're seeing that happen in the NBA. I mean, Ballmer did that with Donald Sterling and Houston Rockets have a new owner who paid FU money. There are people out there that have that kind of money. It's a total long shot. There's no doubt about that. But let me ask you this. Let's talk about the on-the-field product because you know, I like Kyle Shanahan. You know I do. But yesterday, he looked overwhelmed. He looked like a rookie coach. He had no clock management whatsoever. I love being aggressive. But you can't be aggressive in those situations at that down in distance where you were on the field, knowing what the game situation is, you know, and, and, I, and I think that that's, that's just what's going to happen to a rookie coach. It's his first game. I get all that. I totally do. But I'm looking at this roster and I'm watching it versus, uh, let's be honest, Carolina is pretty mediocre. They're not uh, Seattle. They're not New England. They're not one of the top, top teams. They're, they're an average NFL organization. Right? Was that fair? Do you think that that's fair? I mean, I'd say above average. They're in the Super Bowl two years ago. Okay, okay. So slightly above average. They played terrible, and we didn't even cross the fifty, but one time. I mean, that's that's pretty bad. That's an indictment. If you're going to keep trotting out Brian Hoyer and maybe at some point C.J. Beathard, I mean, 
I I don't understand how this gets better. Like they yes, they need a quarterback. No shit, they need a quarterback. They need multiple receivers. They need a safety. They need more D-line help even though they've been drafting on the D-line forever. They need more linebackers. They need obviously a guard, a center and another left guard. Well, yeah, I think, I think that's where you got to start. I think you got to start there because I mean, it's just a, the offensive line is just a nightmare, and they really haven't addressed it very much in what the last three or four drafts. Like, yeah, I know they drafted Joshua Garnett in the first round, but they ha- nothing, nothing from the draft is on that line right now. The ta- what you got Trent Brown? I guess he's a, I guess he's I like the Trent one Brown. piece they found. Yeah, I, like, I guess he's I like the Trent one piece Brown. they found. You know, in the last yeah. what five years. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had that one draft where they had Anthony D- Davis and Upati, and since then it's been a joke. Yeah, like, no doubt. What, and they have Kilgore. And they haven't developed any like random people like Alex Boone. You know, I know I was killing him at the end and I still kill this guy, but he was either a seventh round pick or an undrafted guy. And they developed him into a really, really, really good starter. You know, was he a pro bowler? No, but he was damn solid. We could use two or three uh, Alex Boones right now. We we? basically had the, the best offensive line in the league for like two or three years. Yes. Yes. There's no doubt. You know, and then look, there's some nice, some nice stories. You know, Trent Taylor looks like a keeper, you know, but he's a little slot guy. He'll never be a number one receiver. And that's okay. That's okay. You can build on that. George Kittles looks nice. You know, I don't know if he's necessarily Jimmy Graham in his prime. He doesn't have to be, you know, be a poor man's Jordan Reed and just catch everything underneath and make a few plays, you know, but, but they still need a running back. You know, Carlos Hyde's a free agent at the end of the year. He's, and Carlos had some moments in the game and I thought, Part of the growing pains of a rookie coach is Kyle went away from the running game. And I think he got a little absorbed in the play calling and a little too much into it and, and, and didn't have to you know take that step back and realize, hey, man, I'm gouging him with the run. I got to go back to that. But this, this team's got holes everywhere. And when Foster went down, you know, for those 12 plays, Foster was on the field. Woo! We were fired up. Everyone was fired up. The minute that dude went down, it was like the air was completely let out of all the optimism that had been building for six months. And instantly you saw Carolina attack with a 40-yard touchdown pass. I just – you can't be so reliant on the one rookie who hasn't even played a full game to be your, like, super savior on defense. Like, the margin of error for this this franchise is just – it's not even razor thin. It's non-existent. There is no margin of error. Everything needs to fall their way and everything against the team they're playing for them to be in the game. Like, that's how bad it is. And it's not Shanahan and Lynch. That This is what has happened for the last five years. You don't get to this point in one offseason. This is five offseasons in a row how you get to this point. I just, I don't see how it gets better, Trevor. And like, I'm watching on Saturday. I'm watching on Saturday. Well, you were watching the same thing I was. I'm going back. It's Baker Mayfield for Oklahoma. It's fucking uh, Sam Darnold for USC. You know, Josh Rosen played earlier in the day. And I'm just salivating. Like, oh, look how amazing these young quarterbacks are. And I'm thinking, but what if you plopped one of those guys behind this offensive line? They're going to be Alex Smith, David Carr 2.0. Like, Look at what's happened to Andrew Luck, one of the best pro prospects in the last 30 years to come through. Can and and really his first three seasons were as good as it could possibly get for a number one pick, given all of the crappiness around him with that organization. This guy can't even pick up a football, his shoulder's so destroyed. Like, are you gonna destroy Sam Darnold if they draft him number one or number two overall or whatever? Like, they need so much to insulate th- th- this roster. To even plug in a quarterback, man, it, it 
it's just the thing is the reason they're there is you you get like this when you swing and miss as many times as the Niners did and it's just almost unfathomable because they were in a position where they had so much talent and so many draft picks yeah they literally were drafting guys with ACL injuries as like you know playing with house money they were so they they had so much to work with and then it's like you flip the script and now it's like they've they've had so many busts so many miss picks so many you know, poor analysis of players going into these drafts that it's like you said, it's like, where do you start? And I, th- I think you got to start with you. I think you got to start with the offensive line. I mean, you can't you can't do anything in football, no matter how good your quarterback is, if he has no time, if he has no protection. But but here's here's one of the things like maybe I'm maybe I'm looking too deep into this. But over the weekend, you saw what Alex Smith did against uh, New England. Everyone's going to roll their eyes. OK, I'm not saying that Alex should be the quarterback. What I'm saying is. The decision to not draft Aaron Rodgers and to pick Alex Smith haunts this franchise. Oh, we're doing this. We're doing this again. We are. We're doing this one again. We are because you know why? Aaron Rodgers collected his 100th victory on Sunday. Meanwhile, the San Francisco 49ers, the team with five Super Bowls with the best legacy in sports, couldn't even sell out their home opener. And and then Alex, I hate. Look, the decision to switch from Cap to Alex. You must be living under a rock if you didn't realize that that was the right decision at that time, at that moment. Did it work out for us? In a way, it did. In a way, we fell short. And you know what? Alex made the best of his situation. He's still there. Look, the water has, has – time has passed. I'm over that. But it just stings for Niner fans to have Brian Hoyer be your quarterback in front of like a one-third filled – Levi Stadium. Meanwhile, Alex throws four touchdowns and 400 yards against New England in New England, and Aaron Rodgers collects his 100th uh, career victory. I mean, these are the types of ghosts that Niner fans are dealing with, though, Trevor. I know what you're saying. You're rolling your eyes, but my dad or, or my brother, they're texting me like, fucking Aaron Rodgers. Like, like we love him, but it's like, it's the, 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 the gift that keeps fucking us. You know what I mean? Like, the dildo that keeps screwing us. And we, we cannot evade choosing Alex Smith over Aaron Rodgers. And I see it again. I will say, to, you, to your point, though, before about, you know, well, I wouldn't go down the stadium for anything. And, you know, even if they're winning, I'm not sure if I'd be down there. Well, the one thing that reminds you how much you love football is watching stuff like we watched on Saturday night. You know, you Ugh. see someone like Darnold light Ugh. up the field and making those perfect passes. Ugh. He had a couple, I think he had like three passes in a row to close the second half where he hit a guy in stride for like a 60 yard touchdown. And then he had that one on the run in the corner yep. of the end zone. Yeah. And that's the type of thing like they could get lucky and end up with a quarterback like that. I'm not saying Darnold, I'm just saying a quarterback yeah, yeah, who can agree. put on that type of show. And that's the type of thing that just like that could turn a franchise around and could get people back in the stands. So all I'm saying with this is like, despite everything that they've fucked up on, on a colossal level, I still firmly believe that winning cures anything for fans and they could get lucky. Like I, I fully believe in Kyle Shanahan. The problem is just, it's just fans. Like you said, the apathy they've had enough, you know, it's, this is not like this is year one of this. We, we self imploded. We blew up something that had still had the potential to win a Super Bowl. And now we're on year four of this. We're on because they basically sabotaged Harbaugh's last year, a year that we really could have gone all the way. And then the three years following, we've three different coaches in uh, Tom Sula, Chip Kelly, and now Shanahan. So, but, 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 but Trevor, let me just interject. Don't you think that because the fan base has shifted demographically, don't you think they are at least a little susceptible to 
the fan base never returning, almost like a Tampa Bay Devil Rays or the Marlins, you know, the I'm Miami not, Marlins. So, I'm not saying that they're immune to it because, of yeah, course, their history. This but, is my thing. I, I'm not sure that original fan base will ever return. You know, okay. those yeah. those yeah. real fans from Candlestick. I agree those, with you. Those hardcore fans. I'm not sure you'll ever get all those people back. You'll ever have the same thing. But at the same time, I hate to say this, but I don't think the Bay Area is that hardcore of a sports town anymore. No, it's I not. Think, no, it's I not. Think, You're right. I think it's You're a right. very fair – this is what I think is the Bay Area is now. I think it's a very fair-weather town. With and a I lot think of transplants. A lot of those fans are not people who actually grew up in the Bay Area now because a lot of the people who grew up in the Bay Area, Bay Area either have family money and can't afford to live there or they've been priced out. Yeah. And – I think what you're starting to see with a lot of with a lot of the sports in the Bay Area, it's almost like LA. You know, it's like you're just a fan of you're whoever's right. been winning the most lately you're because right, you you right. have no loyalty. You know, you, right. it's not like these people are from LA; they just want a good show. You're and totally right. Right you're now, right. what are the Warriors? They're a great show for all these affluent people in Silicon Valley. You're totally. You right. You think you think the Warriors are still going to sell out? And I mean, I guess a new stadium helps for like the bougie crowd and being in, you know <laughs> in, by the Embarcadero. But that's why I'm saying if the Niners start winning. You're going to have that whole Silicon Valley crowd there. I don't think they're going to have any problem selling out and having a packed house. It's just not going to be the same thing as the stick. And that's an unfortunate reality that we have to deal with. And of course, it would be incredible if it was moved back to San Francisco. But you'd have to find – the thing about it is you'd have to find someone like Larry Ellison where not only do they have a shitload of money, but that they have a purpose beyond making more money. Yeah, ego. Because a lot of these Massive owners – ego. A lot of these owners only care about making money. No doubt. And you got to find someone who hopefully it's okay. Yes, ego could be one thing, but another thing could be, you know, they grew up here. They care so much about the team. They got a shitload of money. And it's a combination of ego and just wanting to do this thing, this incredible thing for a franchise. I mean, honestly, though, Trevor, you've been a fan as long as I have, um, you know, your whole life, essentially. I mean, do you really honestly think? In the next two years, they could turn this thing around. I'm talking about this year and next year. Because I still think that I do like, because they feel so far away. And I know but, it changes. This, this is the thing. The Raiders this, were 0-10. Thing. They were 0-10. And then Carr and the Niners, or then they beat the Chargers. And then they, then they beat the Niners. And it was like, oh my God, now they're on the uptick. I know it can swing quickly, but they feel so far away. This is, this is the thing, though. I feel like they're so far away from being a Super Bowl team, being a team that was playing at the level that they were during the Harbaugh years. But at the same time, if you watch the NFL product, this is this is a whole other oh, conversation. Great. But if My you watch the NFL product this. on Sunday, no, no, it is up. crap. It it's is shit. crap. You're right. And like, I, we don't even need to get in this whole Kaepernick thing. But just look at some of the quarterbacks that are out there, some of the teams that are out there. I mean, this totally is a agree. garbage product. Totally and I, I constantly have to check myself and ask why I'm wasting my Sunday watching half these games. Because I did it yesterday because it's opening day and it's fun. But I didn't see a lot of football I actually enjoyed watching. And it's like I said before, this is one of my weekend days. It's one of everyone's weekend days. And I think more and more people, especially when you, you know, we all live in California, when you live in a nice area, there's a lot of other things to do. And, well, and, and yes, the other part we're is, big time football fans, but the product sucks. Now, the, if every game looked like the games we were watching Saturday night, I mean, those were great fucking games. I'd watch all college. Day. See, this is the part college has them not only on Saturday night when it's cooler and most people are indoors, but it's like these epic throwback matchups. Like who the fuck gives a shit about the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Houston Texans? Well, that's another that's another problem you have right now is because like when when you had the Niners and Seahawks, you had the Colts and the Patriots, you had some rivalry 
some really good rivalries. Exactly. I mean, what rivalries are going on in the NFL right now? And I, so the reason why could I see the Niners back in a year or two is because I don't think it takes that much to be a playoff team anymore. Like look at That's look at the point. NFC look That's at the point. NFC West right now. Like we, I mean, the Rams look great the other day, but they're playing Scott Tolzien and it's a washed up Colts <laughs> team who has no one, you know? So it's like, who, who really knows what the Rams are? The the Cardinals, I mean, they're one Carson Palmer hit away from literally being done again, you know? Bla- if and, Blaine Gabbert starts a game for them, oh my God, I cannot And, and, and David Johnson just went down. David Johnson had some wrist injury. He's out for an extended period of time. And the Seahawks are, yeah, they're the crown jewel of the division right now, but they didn't look so hot against the Packers either. I mean, they've got problems too with the line and other areas. So, yeah. I, I just think like, you know, you look a few years ago, it's just, it's, it's ironic because, you know, when the Niners were as good as they were, they had to deal with this incredibly strong division. You know, it was like, those were some yeah, of the hardest games right. they had to play all year. You're right. And it's like, now who is even that good in the NFC? I mean, okay. Yes. The Giants and the Cow. I mean, the Giants didn't look good yesterday, but the Giants and the Cowboys were pretty strong yesterday. Dude, dude did you see Carson Wentz out duel Kirk Cousins? C- Carson Wentz has played like 17 games and he already looks better than Kirk Cousins. And their entire franchise. That's has a whole changed. other topic we I want to get to before we get out of here. But but just as as we still talk about this for a second, like what are other teams you know that look that good? That, There's that not many stand out There's... that far for the pack. No, and a lot right. of teams, a lot of teams that are almost there. Like you look at a team like the Vikings, right? They've got a lot of really solid pieces. They got a Except good defense. Quarterback. Exactly. So that's <laughs> that's the thing. It's like it's there's not that many teams that have it all put together, and that's why you know I you know. Does it seem far-fetched right now that the Niners could be a playoff team? Yes, of course. But I don't think it's that crazy to think that if they draft well and, and get lucky with a few bicks and Kyle Shanahan's a smart guy and John Lynch figures it out, that they could be a playoff team. I think it's just a lot further away to think that they could compete with with the best in the league because there's definitely, you know, when you get to those last four or five teams, that's where you actually have some separation. But let's let's get to this Kirk Cousins thing. So we were talking about this too this weekend. Yeah, Kirk Cousins, dude. I swear to God. Kirk Cousins is garbage. I'm I'm so sick. He's a mediocre trash can. That's what he is, dude. I'm so sick of hearing about Kirk Cousins. This guy is going to command $30 million this offseason. There is no way in hell I am giving Kirk Cousins $30 million to, to basically hold my franchise hostage in the same way Jay Cutler and Stafford and Flacco and Tannehill have held their uh, franchises hostage by being a mediocre quarterback. I am rolling the dice on multiple quarterbacks in the draft. I don't care if we swing and miss. There is no way in hell I am paying Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins yesterday got destroyed. They looked Terrible at home, okay? <laughs> at home, they just signed a big wide receiver in Terrell Pryor. I know they lost to Sean Jackson, but all the year before, oh, they don't need to Sean Jackson. I knew they were going to miss him. They didn't have Pierre Garçon. I knew they were going to miss him. They got no running game. Don't tell me Kirk Cousins is this apex, you know, top-tier quarterback. He is extremely – he is between 14 and 18, on the pecking list. He will never get better than, than top 14. He will never be lower than 18. He is extremely mediocre. There is no way. If we are building and this thing from scratch, there is no way I am putting in a mediocre foundation as my quarterback. I want top-notch, swing-ass type stuff. Let's talk about this for a second. For, okay, I think we're both in agreement that almost $30 million to take up, what, a 30-year oh. salary cap oh. for, for a guy of that mediocrity is, is a bad move. Oh. Who'd be but 31? On top of that, He'd be 31. Let's talk about it. He's, 20, he's 29 right now. Yeah. So by, by the time he's a 49er, if he's if the 49er signed, he'd be 30 years old. That does not fit the timeline that no. we're on right now. No. So 
even if he's legit, he's got no line, no pieces around him. You're completely handcuffing yourself for being able to build through free agency because you're giving $30 billion to this guy. And it doesn't even make sense. Let's say the Niners are good. Let's say they finally are good in three or four years from now. This guy's going to be 34 years old. You want, yeah. a thir- you, want a, you want a guy Eli Manning's age or old? I mean, now Eli's older, actually. But you want a guy that old right as you're getting into the prime of when you can compete? That makes zero sense. Then you get yourself into a situation like the Vikings where you got all the other pieces and you don't have a quarterback. Yeah, I so know. Like, and, then, to me, and, then, and then you get desperate and you trade two first rounders like they did for Sam Bradford. Or in our case, spend $32 million on Kirk Cousins. And if you look at some of the other teams around the league that have won Super Bowls recently, it's been because they had quarterbacks on team-friendly deals. The Ravens won before they had to sign Joe Flacco to that big deal. Patriots have Tom Brady on a team-friendly deal. The Seahawks won before they had to give Russell Wilson yep. all that money. This is... A, this could be crippling for the franchise in so many ways. And on top of that, we, we briefly mentioned this earlier, but you know, it all seems hunky dory with John Lynch and, and Kyle Shanahan right now, but I could see this being a major point of contention. If Kyle Shanahan wants Kirk Cousins so bad that John Lynch goes along with it and Kirk Cousins stinks it up, that could be one of the first few times where suddenly, okay, you know what? We're not on the same page anymore. Well, you know, what's interesting is that I, I kept hearing from people, Oh, they're going to win just enough games to not get a top pick. But if you look at the draft over the last few years, teams move up and move down constantly. Trubisky was traded up for by the Bears. Carson Wentz traded up for by Philadelphia. Jared Goff traded up for by Los Angeles. You know, teams are willing to move up and down and back and forth if they already have their quarterback situation, you know, somewhat figured out. And if you look around the league, I mean, Jacksonville won this weekend. They got Bortles. Who knows what's going to happen there? I think them and Kirk Cousins is a more likely, you know, pairing than we are. Uh, Houston already drafted Deshaun Watson. They're going to definitely put their time in there. Kansas City has Mahomes. They traded up to get him, by the way. Um, and so did the Texans. They traded with Cleveland to move up to get to get Sammy Watkins. So what I'm saying is, is that basically the Niners don't have to have the number one pick. They don't have to have the number two pick. They've got and enough they ammunition well. to move up. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They did well to acquire, you know, some extra picks at this year's draft where they, they have some room to work with. And, you know. Yeah. And here's the other part. And I, I don't mean to cut you off, but here's the other part is I think Darnold and Rosen are so popular and, and so, how do I put it? They're so prima donna-ish that similar to Elway and Eli Manning, I think they have the cachet. To be able to say, like almost like LeVar Ball did with his kid going to the Lakers, where they can dictate how the draft's going to play out for them. I really honestly think that if I'm Darnold and Rosen, they both tell the Jets, do not draft me, because even if you draft me, I'll just sit there and not sign your deal and go back into the draft next year. Eli it, did it, it to seem, San Diego. It crazy, but it seems crazy to say this right now, but like it's not even guaranteed that Dartle commits to the draft right now. No, no doubt. But but my point being is that we've seen this happen in sports a lot. We saw this happen with Eli Manning in San Diego. He refused to play with San Diego, and they had to trade him to New York for the draft pick that would get them Phillip Rivers. So this isn't like it hasn't happened before. It also happened with John Elway. Drafted by the Colts, he said, I will refuse to play for you. You know, these types of sexy, you know, L.A., California-style quarterbacks, they do have cachet. And I'm telling you, man, because we do have Kyle Shanahan, I hope we can put enough film together this year. And I hope that his name, you know, has enough weight 
to where a young quarterback like one of these players wants to, to play for him. You know what I mean? And, and that's a natural marriage because I think it makes trading much more conducive. And look, I know people were frustrated to see the Rams win this weekend, but them doing well with Jared Goff means another team that's not going to take a quarterback. Deshaun Kaiser looking serviceable for Cleveland. That's another team that doesn't need a quarterback. There aren't that many teams that are going to be in a position to draft someone at the top end of this draft. I think we're sitting pretty, man. I think we're going to have our pick of who we want. Yeah, I, I agree. And, I just, I really hope we don't go down the Kirk Cousins route. That, that's, oh my that's, God. That's the Dude, type of move that would. <laughs> here's what's that more would realistic. Just, you, want, you know what's more realistic to me than Kirk Cousins? Let, and don't roll your eyes. Just just hear me out. Let's say Alex gets cut in the offseason. I'll take Alex back at $10 million a year yeah, as I my don't think that's crazy. holder. Yeah, you know, like, like, I'll take Alex. I'll take, you know, I'll take, I'd rather have Alex. Alex gives you, I think, better bang for the buck at his price tag. And, and and knowing what he is, then Kirk Cousins does at his price tag. Well, Wouldn't totally, because because I think the only the only area where you, where really the difference is with Alex Smith is like once you're a playoff team and you're trying to win a Super Bowl. I think that's yes, yes, where where yes. you know you don't really know if he could be your quarterback. Yeah, but no doubt. For a team that's realistically not making the Super Bowl anytime soon, that's another reason why waste your money on Kirk Cousins when I, I, I Ale- don't know. You know, I, it's like I, I don't get it. Especially, especially Trevor, when I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest this year for Niner fans, I'm more in love with Saturday than Sunday. I already am. And I'm watching Darnold and I'm watching Rosen these last two weeks. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. Look, both guys have some pluses and minuses. At this point, beggars can't be choosers. I'll take whoever. You know, I really will. I, 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 I don't have a specific, you know, I'm leaning one way or the other. I think I prefer Darnold personally, but the USC quarterback thing scares me. But Watching him march down the field, and I know he threw some interceptions. That's a damn good Stanford team. That's a really, really, really good Stanford team. USC is loaded, though. They look primed. This could be the year for USC. And I'm watching the kid Darnold in the pocket, the command, the presence, the calmness. He's not getting the touch passes, leading his receivers. He reminded me of Andrew Luck. And you know how much I love Andrew Luck. I, I love Andrew Luck. And that's another guy. What are well, the Colts yeah, going to do hey, with Andrew Luck? That what are they is something do with I was him? thinking about. That is a really interesting one. You would you wouldn't think they would get rid of him, right? Yeah. You wouldn't think. Yeah. But who knows? You know, maybe maybe they got a new GM, the guy from Kansas City, Chris uh, is it Chris Ballard, I think his yeah, name is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you, it's a weird situation because normally when you come in as a GM, you know, you got to find your quarterback. You got to rebuild the team from scratch when you're getting hired. And he's he's got his supposed marquee quarterback. He's got some weapons at wide receiver and nothing else. And who knows? Maybe he decides, you know, I, I can't rebuild the roster the way I need to. That's a good and point. I know I, this is crazy. I, I know it sounds point. crazy, you know, to, no, to, it to doesn't. get rid of a, it. doesn't. But who knows? Maybe maybe the Niners have a high pick and they're like, they tell the Colts, hey, you know, do you want this pick for luck and some other stuff? And who knows? And I mean, I think you're on to something. He needs a change of scenery too, Trevor. Don't you think he's sick and tired of dealing with Chuck? I, I don't know who I'm playing. Well, he's this not going to be Pagano. there much longer. I, but that's just it's they're as bad as we've been run over the last few years. You know, quietly, Indianapolis is just as inept. They just yeah. they've found a way to mask it because they've got so lucky in getting Peyton Manning, Bill Polian to be the GM for the time he was, and then hitting the lottery again and nailing getting Andrew Luck. I mean, that's just so it's much. Cra- so it's crazy lucky. how fast time goes. I mean, uh, this 
he's Andrew Luck's not old yet. He's he's 27. I just looked this up. It's just how fast does time go? And and you uh, know what? If you look at like Drew Brees and Drew Brees's uh Hold on. We got we got an alarm going out here right now. They they didn't like the Andrew Luck to the Niners comment. Oh, that's okay. Uh if you okay. look at like someone like Drew Brees, I mean, if you would have told me when he left San Diego that he would have not just a Hall of Fame career, but like Three time longevity that what what he had in San Diego, I would have said you're crazy. But you know what? Him and Sean Payton has been a match made in heaven. And have they made the playoffs every year? Hell no. They had a couple really, really, really good seasons. But he has been that organization. I mean, if we think about it, outside of Archie Manning and maybe Rich Ricky Jackson, I don't know if older fans think of him that way. But when you think of New Orleans, don't you think of Drew Brees as like their all time player? And bags on people, on fans' heads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't think of Aaron Brooks and Deuce McAllister. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Joe Horn pulling a cell phone out of the, out of the end zone. Hey, well, I wanted to ask you something uh, before we got off here because you were talking about restaurants um, when you went to a restaurant. What was that question you were asking about? Because I want to do a food with Butcher before we get out of here. Luckily, you're, now you're putting me on spot. I don't remember what question I was going to do you, do you remember any of the, the details? Was it about tipping? Was, was it about tipping? Was it about bathrooms? What was it about? Oh, I know what it was about. Oh, what I, what I was tweeting about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know it. So I feel like this actually happens at nicer restaurants. Like it never happens at like an average restaurant. And it's when they, instead of giving you the bowl with like a ton of bread rolls in it, they have one they put one bread roll on each one of your plates with like the little tongs you know like they're doing some type of nice like <laughs> elegant gesture and i'm just like fuck you man like give me like give me some more bread like stop making me have to call you over every time for a roll of bread and i was just that was i and i just want to know you know is that considered just because that's you know it's a nice restaurant this is some nice gracious thing they're doing or is this them being cheap uh i don't really know i think it's location to location i know with like my wife when she was a waitress like i think that Sometimes they just get overwhelmed and they don't realize. And if you don't speak up, you know, closed mouths don't get fed. You ever heard that that term? I think, you know, you just assume that people don't want that much bread. But when I go out to eat, one of the number one things I judge a restaurant on is what kind of bread are they serving me? Are they giving me olive oil and balsamic vinegar? Are they giving me really good butter? You know, those types of things. I think it's restaurant to restaurant, though, honestly. But it's weird. Oh. Like, like, think about this, Trevor. Like, I always think about this when we go out to eat. At home, would you eat a whole loaf of bread before you eat dinner? <laughs> That's a good point. No, well, would, but I like, always end up eating a loaf when too. I'm at dinner. Me too. And then when I, I can end just up keep doing, eating, I feel so. I don't know about you, but like I have no shame. I, I'll tell them like put everything on the plate. Like do not like when I say like everything, I mean just scrape the whole thing right into the box. I almost want them to give me the box so that I could do it because <laughs> nine times out of ten they don't put like that little piece, you know, little little tiny chunk of pasta or mashed potatoes that I, that's the part I want to eat too. I don't just want the steak or the pork chop or whatever it is. Like I want the whole thing. Like, I I don't know. I'm really weird about that. Are you? What what about this though? Because this is another part of the bread thing. Have you noticed this new trend in a lot of nice restaurants? Well, where they'll, there's like some type of like delicacy butter on the menu for like six or seven bucks. What? You haven't seen this? It's like sometimes at Italian restaurants, like no, some nicer restaurants. Delicacy butter. I've seen salty yeah, butter. I'm and telling you, like that. that's like the new. That's like the new shishi. Like we're gonna upsell you thing. Let oh, you gotta you try our butter. Next time you come up to the city, my wife and I just went to this place out in the sunset, and I was blown away that this even existed out in the sunset. And I went there for brunch. I thought brunch was garbage because I just, I just. Like for me, breakfast is very straightforward. I don't need the fancy hoity-toity re- deconstructed 
French toast or, or eggs Benedict. Like, just give me the real deal. You know, like that's what it's, it's greasy. It's old school. Give me that. I hate fancy breakfast. I like basic breakfast, but the dinner was out of this world. And this place bakes its own bread. It's called Outerlands out in the sunset. And look, it's an arm and a leg. It's totally hipster. I, I couldn't even believe it existed out in the bottom of the sunset, but I'm telling you, they had this, uh, burrata, uh, cheese that was Oh my God, it was to die for with their own <laughs> walnut bread. There was something about this bread. They toasted it there. Dude, phenomenal. Absolutely I'd honestly, phenomenal. You know, I like bread so much, I'd honestly almost go to a restaurant just because they had good bread. Nothing, totally even if agree. they didn't have anything else to Totally serve. agree. That's why I talked to my, some of like my cousins, my, my gigantic cousins, Mike and Jack Schindler. They're gluten-free, and I make fun of them all the time, right? They'll drink like Coors Light and something like, is there gluten in that beer? You know, like I'm <laughs> always ripping them, you know? And one of the things that I tell them straight up is like I could never go gluten-free because I couldn't lay off pizza, number one, because my wife eats pizza like every day. And number two, because of the bread. I love bread. I love sourdough. I love Dutch crunch. I love fancy bread, French rolls. I love bread so much. And I got to have butter on my bread. In fact, I saw a thing. I was going to retweet it. I don't think I did. Butter isn't that bad for you in your heart. It really isn't. It's, it's, it's obviously in moderation, obviously in moderation, but it's part of that good fat now. Like, like there's this new study saying that it's not as bad as we initially thought it was basically. So I'm not saying you should eat a whole stick of butter, but what I'm saying is it's not that bad for you to put butter on your bread. Another phenomenal food with butter. I honestly want, I might go have some bread right now. Oh dude. You know, what's my favorite. It's called like extra sourdough and they have it down at the wharf. It's like super sour and it's rock hard almost to make your like gums bleed. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's so soft in the middle. I absolutely love that with, and for something about me, I don't know about you. I love the cheap yellow generic butter with like the peel offs. I don't know what it mm -hmm. is. It's so much better than the butter I have at home. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Well, I'm you also got to have the right temperature for the butter. So it spreads correctly, you know? Okay. Do you leave your butter out or do you put it in the fridge? Put it in the fridge. Isn't it, is it okay to leave out? I feel like that's like, see, I, that's kind of I, I towing, prefer towing a risky line. Agreed. I prefer it in the fridge. My wife puts it up in the cupboard and has the soft really? stuff in the cupboard. I don't like it that way. I mean, I will use it from time to time. I prefer the nice cold butter. I want a nice cold chunk on my thing. And then I'll spread it out myself over a nice piece of toast. Well, I want, I, but I, I want it to be, I don't want it to be that cold when I'm spreading no, no, no. it. Then I feel no, like I it doesn't it spread melt. that easily. Yeah, I want it to melt over the over the the toasted bread, though. You know what I'm saying? Okay. There's yeah, something as, about as long the as you're cold, able to. Well, my my problem is just when the butter's too cold that I feel like I can't spread it well enough, and then it starts dis disrupting the bread. It starts no creating a no hole doubt. in the bread. You know, because you're it's like eating, trying to spread it, so hard that suddenly you've ruptured your <laughs> piece of bread. Yeah, you shouldn't have you know open mouth surgery just because you ate into a loaf of bread and butter, dude. Oh, that is great. Hey, dude, look. I won't be so hard on Levi's. I promise you this week we're going to talk more about the actual on-football product. But to me, we couldn't talk week one without talking about the fans, the stadium, all that. I, I feel like this week in particular, it was all intertwined. So I appreciate you putting up with me, man. And and next week we get to go to Seattle. So that's always a fun one. Let's see, see what type of stuff we have to talk about after that game. 0-2, oh, baby. Have a good <laughs> one, Trevor. All right. Till next time, Butcher. Yep. Late. Game recognized game in the black man. Game recognized game.